Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Real Quick with Mike Swick podcast, special quarantine series, episode number 10. We have a special guest today, which I know I say that all the time, but every guest is a special guest. Come on, guys. Look at the quarantine series, previous guests that we've had, all the all the podcast guests. We have amazing guests here. I'm so fortunate that, that we get such good guests. Um, and I'm excited today because uh, this is a guy who's done everything there is to do, a guy from, from my time who's done everything there is to do in the sport. And he's done it perfect. I mean, he's he, he, he's achieved every level of success. Um, he was on the Ultimate Fighter Season 2, where he went on to win Ultimate Fighter Season 2 and become the Ultimate Fighter. Um, he then went into the UFC and became the light heavyweight UFC champion. Um, and then he followed that up by being a UFC Hall of Famer. So again, he did it all. I'm talking about Rashad Evans. Hey, Rashad, welcome to the show, buddy. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate you for having me on. Yeah, it's been a long time, bro. It's a long time since uh, I've seen you or talked to you. So this, <laughs> it's kind of a reunion here. I know. I, I was actually out in Thailand about uh, three years, maybe longer than that. Maybe about four years ago, I was out in Thailand, and I went out there, and I seen that you, you had a gym and everything. I didn't get a chance to go out to your gym, but I went and uh, trained at Phuket Top Team and um, also – uh, you know this guy named Leo. He has like a little small gym around a, around a there's, corner from uh, that, so that whole area. Yeah, there's so many on this island. It's like the mecca. That's why we all have gyms here. It's like the mecca fight gym. So, um, yeah, yeah, man, you should. Well, well, definitely when you come back, you'll have to check it out and and see what we got, man. We got, a, we got quite the place here in uh, here in Phuket. What did you think about Phuket when you were here? I love it, man. You know, um, the, the the best thing I loved about it was just, you know, I'm, I'm from the you know, American mindset. And uh, I remember when I was first kind of settling in there, just getting used to the people. And I walk around and, and the look I have on my face, if I'm not smiling, I look like I'm, I'm pissed off about something. Right. Right. So I was walking on the street and then this lady looked at me and she just grabbed my hand so nice and politely. And she just looked at me and says, no, 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 no worried minds here. No worried minds here. It gave me just the nicest smile, but it kind of it kind of left me with that fragrance of like, you're here, just leave all that behind you. You know, this is a different mindset over here. Yeah, it's crazy, man. You know, I have the same thing. Um, everyone tells me I have that serious look, like I have that very serious face. And uh, I got the same thing. I, I don't know why. I, I grew up in small town, Texas. So I guess life was a little bit more serious. I grew up on a small ranch and we had to work a lot. And so like, I get the same thing, man. I could be like in a normal mood, completely fine. And then like, someone's like, what's wrong, man? Are you okay? You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm fine. But I, I guess now, yeah. you, you know, you're making it worse, but man. So, uh, Ultimate Fighter Season 2, Ultimate Fighter Season 1, we're like the OGs of this thing, man. Like, we started uh -huh. yeah. we started out in the beginning. That's crazy. It's, it's crazy to see, like, how far everything has come. You know what I'm saying? Like, every single time I, I look at a UFC, you just get to see it on the stage that it is on ESPN and see it on yeah. my BuzzFeed line. I'm just like, man, I can't believe this is the stage because when I first when – I, when I was first getting into MMA – at the, at the time, it was called NHB, No Holds Bar. Right. And uh, I remember uh, my mom being like, Rashad, you're going to get a real job after this, right? You know what I'm saying? Because you couldn't, it wasn't a job, <laughs> yeah. you know? So, yeah, of course. So that, that's, that's where it was. And, and to think where it was to where it is now is just mind-blowing. And, and it's also something you never talked about. Like, like, for instance, if you were to meet a girl and you, you know, 
you were talking to her at a club or something and she asked what you did, fighting would not be one of the first things that you would mention at that time back in the old days. I'm talking about pre uh, Ultimate Fighter, like like before that. Um, now it's like the coolest thing you can say, you know, training for UFC, training for fighting. Yeah. But back then it wasn't cool at all. And then I remember my ex-wife, uh, same thing, man. Like when I had to tell her about uh, fighting, she had no idea. She had no idea about it and what it was like, what it was about. But being that we were in Ultimate Fighter season one and season two, and that kind of that start of bringing the sport kind of in the mainstream, um, I have to go into limb and say my favorite season, season one. I'm a little biased. So I think I think, we, I think we had the best season, but I'll give you credit. I'll give you credit on season two being the second best uh, and one of the only few seasons that I did watch completely all the way to the, to, the, to the end. And, you know, the one cool thing that I respect about you so much, man, is like, you know, when we were on season one, we were the very first. So we had no idea what to expect. We had no idea what was ahead. We had no idea about the stardom and the TV show working out and the, you know, it, we had no idea about any of that. We just wanted to get in the UFC. We didn't think our chances yeah. of getting in the UFC were even good, more or less being on TV and being stars or whatever you want to call it. Um, and you guys were right behind us, which means you saw we were kind of making it, but we were still in our first or second fight. So we still were kind of like, if you remember, we were still kind of the bums of the UFC where like the UFC fighters were like, you guys don't deserve to be here. And we were like on this, like trying to prove ourselves that like, no, we're not just TV guys. We deserve to be here. So we still weren't as respected in the community. So like, I respect the fact that you were on the show also without seeing the true future of what it was going to be for us and for especially for you you know and 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 you gutted it out and, and and worked so hard and then you went on to win you know the the ultimate fighter which yeah. is phenomenal and you know it's just cool that we kind of rode that wave together at least we it's at one point we were kind of in that same position you know i was in the first house you were in the second house but i know how you feel i know where you came from and that gives me more respect to to see where you went um and we were just riding that wave together you just you just kind of kept riding the wave and I, <laughs> I kind of fell off my board and you're like UFC championship, UFC hall of fame, legend status. And I'm just well, like, yo, well, yo I mean, dude, you, you guys... I didn't know you could ride this shit all the way to the shore. <laughs> I thought like, I thought like you just rode a little bit and had some fun. You, you took it all the way to the well, shore. I was like, all right. Well, for me, I, I had, I had a good tandem partner and for me. My partner was <laughs> Forrest Griffin because Forrest Griffin won it at 205 the year before. Yeah. So I put it in my mind that I need to follow Forrest Griffin. Yeah. So when when you guys had your freshman year of fighting and everybody was was on you guys and we were still like in the Ultimate Fighter House and stuff like that, I got a chance to see what it was gonna be like. So when I came onto the scene, I already came on there like like super pissed yeah. off and ready to get the slack <laughs> yeah. that you guys got, you know. And then even even my first fight was um what what was Sam Hoger. So Sam Hoger kind of gave me a taste of what you guys were already experiencing haven't uh, been in the UFC already because he's like, oh, yeah, now I get to knock off this little freshman, you know? Yep. So that that's what it was like, man. But it was that time was such a special time, man, because, like, you know, none of us knew what this was going to be. And at that time, it was it was so much opportunity being thrown at all, kind, all kinds of ways because everybody wanted to have a piece of MMA. So you had everybody throwing money at you. You know, you had sponsors yeah. just giving you 15K for no reason yep. without any source of, of getting any recuperation for that money. But they were just giving it to you because they it wanted to be cool. on the scene. And yeah. that was the, yeah, that was the excitement about MMA. And that's what made that time so special. So it, for me to succeed, it was just like, I just kind of fed into just like, you know, just, just of all of that. And, and to, um, 
into Greg Jackson. Greg, Greg Jackson's program was one that helped me just get that mindset, just like just super, just cantankerous and just pissed off all the time. <laughs> That's crazy, man. So, so you can vouch then, like for these people that think it was like super cool from the beginning when we got off the TV show into the UFC, you kind of remember how we kind of got shunned by a lot of the UFC fighters. And we were, you know, that's why, especially my first couple of fights after my fights, I was, had that like arrogant edge to me. Cause I was like, so cocky, like I won and I wanted to like throw it in people's faces. You know, I look kind of cocky and arrogant, yeah. but in reality, I was just like battling against all the media and the, and the fighters and all the people that was saying we were just TV show guys and we didn't deserve to be in the UFC and I was knocking people out. So I was like, yeah, right. You know, I'm here and I'm knocking people out, yeah. you know, like you got and you had that one hit a quitter too. You were starching yeah. people, like seriously trying. starching people. And it was, I, and, and what made you, what made it special about you starching people? It, it was just so unexpected because you know what I'm saying, like like you didn't expect that quick swick to be able to hit you with those hooks that fast. And then next yeah. thing you know, you were just starching <laughs> people, man. But I mean, like that 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 freshman year when we when you guys came on, those guys were so pissed off because. They they were part of the old school MMA where you know the they they were they had to work their butt off just to you know and, and wait so long to even get one fight and, and and it was a lot of inconsistency even being in that career so they 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 fought all the way through the journeyman shows and all those those you know those yeah. shows to get to the UFC and then here you guys were first year off the Ultimate Fighter everybody was like on you, you know, swinging off you guys and, and all, you know, giving you guys so much respect because of the fight, you know, because of the season. And then that, that, that masterpiece of, at the end just solidified it. Yeah. And it was like this, you know, everybody wanted you guys to shine. And the ones that I think earned it made it, you know, like, I mean, it, it was tough yeah. because there was a lot of pressure on us. So it was almost like having that big main event fight to like in an early stage of our career. So I guess the people that, that, you know, the fighters that were able to handle that pressure and go out there and get those wins were the ones that stuck it out. And then there you had it, you know, the, the Forrest Griffins and the Diego Sanchez's and the Kenny Florian's and the cost checks and the, you yeah. know what I mean? Like they, they had it, they yeah. had what it took, you know, and, and for myself that what, what success I had, you know, the same thing, you know, and it, it was a great experience. And when, when you were on the ultimate fighter, like I'm trying to think of how soon it was that they filmed season two, where were we at at that time? Like where, like, what did y'all know about us and the success of the show when you were in the house? Like, did you know we were like making it and it was big time, or did, was it just kind of no, like you, you guys, you guys, you you guys had already done your show. The season was already done. No, I know, and, but I'm saying, I'm saying, did, was, were we making it oh. in the UFC at that time? Like, like, did, were you looking at us like, wow, oh, these yeah, guys are yeah. making it, or were we still just kind of like well, getting into the UFC? You guys are just getting in the UFC. I think that, um, I think that. A couple of you guys just fought your first fight off of the contract. One fight, yeah, okay. And and yeah, and it was like one fight off of the, off of the contract, and then and then um, I think you guys had maybe your second fight the fall in the fall of that that year when it, when the April. show was airing. Yeah, we yeah. Had an, the, the first main fight in April. And you know, the crazy thing was, um, it was uh, your finale fight. You fought Brad Himes. And, and, and you fought at the Hard Rock Cafe, and it was in November of 2005. And I want to tell you why that was special and significant to me. So I went to your fight, and it was at the Hard Rock Cafe. And if you're, I don't know if you know this, but there was the upstairs part, which you probably went to, the VIP area, like the little overhead or overhang kind of area. Oh, yeah. 
and your fight was going on. I was there and I was, I was enjoying, you know, cause I was, I was season one. So I'd already had a couple, I had the finale fight and I might've had the first UFC fight by then. I'm not sure, but I, I definitely was uh November, 2005. Maybe I did. Um, I think I had that one more fight. And, and so I was up there and I went to the top for some reason with like Dana or something. I, I forget what it was. It was like a VIP area. And it was at your fight. You were you were about to fight uh, soon, and this guy comes up to me and he goes, and this was a huge moment for me in my my career at your fight, man. It was a huge moment of me like realizing that like, wow, I'm doing something that's like mainstream, right? So this guy comes up to yeah. me and he's like, hey man, you're Mike, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, would you like to come over here to Leonardo DiCaprio's table and 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 have a chat? Oh, Leonardo DiCaprio was at your fight. Did you know? Did you even know that? Yeah, that's right. I remember that. He was at the, he was at the top the and he was staying was real low key. Like he didn't want any cameras or anything. And he was at the top. Yeah. And so I was like, holy shit, man. I like that was that was the first time it hit me like, holy shit, we're like the real deal now, you know? And then I went to the table and like it was Leo and like some other people that were there. And it was like Leo telling his friend who I was. He was like, yeah, this is Mike from Ultimate Fighter. You know, oh, they, wow. they, they fight on the house. Wow. And he was like explaining to his friend who I was, man. And it was just like, wow, this is fucking crazy, dude. Like that was the first moment of my whole career where I was like, holy shit, I wish my mom could see this, you know, or anybody. Because it was like there was nobody up there. I was yeah. like, fuck, I wish somebody could see this. And we took a photo. And like I remember he, he said he was about to go to Africa. So it must have been around the time. For, he was going to go scout a movie. So I, I think it was around the time frame that he shot Blood Diamond or something because he said he was going to go scout a movie because i asked him if he was going to come to my next fight and he's like i'm going to be gone but that was a huge moment for me man and and then obviously right after that you fought and then you won the ultimate fighter and the rest is history man like man that was crazy like it seems like it was just like not that long ago man but god that was like Like 15 15 years right no yeah yeah it it was more than that yeah damn 15 jesus christ man that's a crazy amount of time so what are you up to, man? Like, what do you, what have you been doing? I, I, I like your new, your new Zen state, man. You seem so chill and relaxed now. You look great. Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing good. Um, I'm just, uh, you know, I got back to myself, you know, for the longest time I felt as if like I got out of touch with, you know, my, my true self, that, that inner, the inner peace inside of myself and just went down that path and, um, went down the path of, of, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say it was a bad path, but it just wasn't me, you know, and right. it just wasn't, you know, bringing the best out of myself. And um, like towards the end of my career, like I really was having a hard time and just struggling with just, you know, where I was at, um, you know, what what it all meant, you know, uh, you know, did I even still want to fight? Why did I even fight in the first place? Uh, and just and just I just had it was like a, it was like a. Uh, it was like a, a everything was just coming to a to a head at that point, and um, at that point is when I really started to to dig deep and start to you know start to peel back some of the layers of the onion and just try to find that 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 black box to, you know if you will to uh, to just kind of see where things went wrong and try to you know reconstruct my life and and just my mindset. When you say things went wrong, do you mean part of your UFC career, or do you just think in life in general? Or because I mean, you had a stellar just, career. Just, just, yeah, I had I had a good career and I, and I had a pretty good life, but I felt as if like, um, like I felt as if like you know, th- there's there's levels that I felt like I could have hit in fighting, and I felt as if like I kind of sizzled out, and I did so just because like, um, 
you know, I had the two knee injuries. And then when I came back, you know, I had some personal issues and I just didn't, I just mentally never clicked back into being that old me and just never clicking, clicking back into being that, that, that old me. It really, it messed me up because then it, it threw me into a crisis where I was like, well, was that really even me in the first place? The old mm-hmm. me. So then it was just like, you know, it was just constant, just like, you know, I had to figure out like what it, what, what it was, what, what was that thing that was making me ask those questions? You know, what was that yearning for me to find out the deeper nature of, of my mindset and, and, uh, and why did I feel, even though I, I achieved so much that, you know, I needed to, I, there was something missing, you know, and um, it was it, it was a process, you know, because I had to go back and uh, look at my life and and some some things in my life that I didn't process at the time, you know, it ended up affecting me later on. Like, uh, you know, I got divorced when I was in my career from my college sweetheart, and it was kind of something that 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 it was it was hard it was a traumatic thing for me but at the time I was so busy and so you know everybody pulling at me in, in different ways that I didn't emotionally process what happened and and I didn't put it in in, in a in its proper place so then later on when all of those distractions went away guess what popped up you know yeah. the problems that I didn't deal with before and then it was kind of throwing me into kind of a mental whirlwind you know it's crazy because I think. So it, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was finished. No, it's, just, it's crazy that like I mean, you saying this is so so true as far as like there's a lot of fighters that go through things, and I'm sure that was super tough. And it's like it seems to me like the fans and the and the masses in general assume that we just go through these fight camps and we have these fights, and we're just like living lo- like great lives, and fight camps are great, and things are amazing, and we're just like smiling ear to ear, and then we talk tough, and then we go out there and we fight. But like, like the amount of issues you deal with outside of the ring is we're no different than anybody else. And like, you know that that's the respect like for guys like you that I have that, that's made it to greatness, great you know to to championship level, to to Hall of Fame level, and and everybody that gets in there and fights, especially who wins big fights and who's had a good successful career, is that like there's a lot of stuff to battle. I mean, and, and to battle those things, you know, while you're fighting in a cage against another man who's probably not battling the same things as you at that time and still winning, it's tough, man. And there's nobody that knows yeah, that. And you, and you can't complain about it either. You know, once, once that time comes after the fight, if you lose, you just lose, you know, uh, like, and they're going to yeah. talk shit about you for two months, your jaws weak or your, you, your skills are bad or you're old or whatever they're going to say. And you, you can't yeah. really say anything. And it's like, uh, it, it, if people really knew, you know, is what I'm trying to say, I guess. Yeah. And, that, and that's the thing. It's like, um, you know, like, like it, it was a lot of things that was pulling at me. Like for for instance, you know, I, I formed a team, Black Zillions, yep. and I was like, you know, I was like the 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 the, the you know that that team was formed for me. So, you know, everyone that came there, they came, you know, somewhere formed because of me or somebody who I, I brought that was close to me. So, you know, um, everybody after a while, they they became kind of in, in a way dependent on me. Not not. Not in a way, you know, like I had to give him money or nothing like that, but just kind of like, you know, you know, I'm I'm the captain, I'm the guy. So yeah. whenever they had problems, they came to me. So now I have 30 adults that's, you know yeah. what I'm saying, coming to me. Stress. Whenever they have problems, it's a lot of it was a lot of stress. So then, you know, I'm not, 
then then it then it makes me not even want to go to the gym and train anymore. Then it makes me not even want to just deal with it. And then it, you know, then it, it just it just becomes it becomes a cycle. You know what I'm saying? And it, and it, and it was one of those things that just kind of, you know, just just soured the taste of of the sport that I used to love so much. And I used to always say, you know, they when would you retire? When would you retire? When were you going to retire? And I and I never knew the answer because I really didn't. And I always would say when it be when it wasn't fun anymore. Right. But knowing when it's not fun anymore is still yeah. a hard thing because for the longest time you can fool yourself and, mm-hmm. and and say that you're having fun and this is fun all the reason all the whole while you're crying as you walk into the cage, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. I totally understand, man. Do you think um do, like, I'm not sure why you got into MMA, but do you think you got out of MMA what you wanted? I, I mean, are you satisfied with, with what you've gotten from MMA? Yeah, I got I'm I'm very satisfied with what I got out of MMA because um I went into MMA uh because you know it was I felt I felt like I, there was more that I needed to accomplish. You know, I I was I was a wrestler and I just really never achieved that thing that I felt like I was capable of achieving. So I felt as if, you know, there was still a lot of competitive uh fuel inside of me. So then I found uh fighting. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a perfect place for me to let out all of that 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 residual energy that I, that I've accumulated through my life, through you know uh, experiences and you know negative experiences and just you know all those things that just kind of that 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 I was using as fuel. You know, um, I was using you know a, a relationship with my father that 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 I was sour about as fuel and things like that and and. And my my upbringing, you know, all things that 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 I wish that was better, I would put that negative energy and negative feelings that I had, and I would put it towards fighting, and that was my fuel. And I and I could just in a moment's notice, I can just think of something that just happened to me, or think of something, and it would just and I can just get into a rage. It can just be a a switch, and I knew that when. I wasn't that person anymore. When my last few fights, I went to go and hit that switch, and there was just nothing there. And I remember to fight it when I fought. Like I first, when I first started feeling it happen is when I fought Glover Teixeira. I got knocked out in like the first round. And going into that fight, I felt really, really good. But you know, I just like when I stepped on the line and go out and fight, just that that feeling that carried me through all those fights and all those great things, it was just, it was gone. It just didn't, it just didn't spark up like it used to. And I was like, what happened? And it was just as fast as it came, as fast as it went. And I didn't really have an explanation for what that thing was or why it even left, you know? So it was one of those things that I just had to just be like, all right, something inside me changed. Now I need to make a change inside myself too. Yeah, that makes sense, man. I know you're doing some analyst stuff now as well. Um, are are you still training? And and are and if so, are you still training hard? Like, I mean, are you still fight training, or is it just more for your body, uh, for your health? Um, I, I I range. You know, I, I I do a bit of just training for myself, and I also do a bit of fight training because I um. You know, I like to uh, to work out with the guys. I still heavily compete in like the Camaros and and yeah. whoever else is in the gym. You know, I like to uh, test myself with them. You know, I don't 
I mean, I, I'm very, I'm smart about how I spar, so I'm not gonna be like, you know, letting them punch me in the head and nothing crazy like that. And, and for the most okay. part, they when when I'm sparring, you know, the people that I'm sparring with, they have such a respect for me. We we're working, you know, so right. it's a different kind of sparring now that I do versus when I was trying to spar before for ego. You know, now when you're sparring for training and, and you have that respect with your training partner, it's so much different. And I've got to tell you, you're a, you're a specialist, you know, stand-up specialist, aficionado. You know everything I'm telling you. So you you know, there, there's a flow and dance with it, and that's what I do a lot nowadays. Yeah, I agree. And, and like, I'm not – I'm with you, man. I don't want to get hit in the head anymore. It's like I came from the old school training. I'm sure it was tough for you as well. But, like, AKA back in the old days, man, I'm sure it was no different than Jackson and, and, and these other camps, back zillions and stuff. Like, we beat the shit out of each other, man. It was like we – you know, we went through two to three months of fighting three days – or three – yeah, three days a week pretty much, sparring, mixed with airdyne. And it's like we went hard. I suffered more injuries during, during training than anything else. So um, I'm not trying to get hit in the head just like you anymore, man. I'm 40 years old like you, and, and I'm definitely not trying to get uh, hit in the head. But I do love mixing it up and grappling and, and doing stuff. And you know who has a good concept of that who's still in his, his, his career is Tyron Woodley. You know, Tyron came out here to AK Thailand, and yeah. he, he grasped that concept that we have right now a little bit earlier while he's still fighting, which I should have grasped a lot longer ago, you know, like you don't have to knock each other out in training to still get a good workout and still train hard. And he loves to move around. He loves to, to spar fast, hard, but not try and kill you as far as you know, he can, you know, obviously he's got fast hands and, yeah. and, and power, but he's not trying to kill his training partners and, and vice versa for himself, take a lot of damage. And I think that's something that yeah. we could have we could have probably done a little bit different in the old days, but in the old days it was also a tough, a little bit more toughness to the sport than the talent versus now, where it's like these guys are coming in here with just you know world class Olympic talent that like it's 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 you know factoring a little bit more into the equation. Yeah, I think yeah you're absolutely right about that. Like just back then, it, it was a lot more grit, and you needed to get that grit. In training in order to compete with that grit when you got out there in that cage um i remember there's times where greg jackson was greg 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 was well, now i think about it greg was sick at the stuff that he used to do do to us man greg would greg would we we would go up to this this mountain that's like twelve thousand feet up this like sandia mountain and we would um there was like this cliff like the edge this cliff and we would do wedding carries like i'm i'm holding keith jardine as if like he's a bride and I'm carrying him over to my threshold. And I gotta walk 60 steps now to my to my to the left of me. If I go like like maybe two or three feet, I could fall to like my death. And there's like no like it there yes it is like the edge of, like the edge of a mountain. Wow. And I'm holding Keith and I'm walking. And there's it's like a it's the path is not like a smooth path, the treacherous path. Yeah. So when you're taking your steps, you're very careful. And I remember doing that. And we did it like a couple times and like somebody almost slipped and Greg was like, oh, let's let's switch this up. So yeah. then he switched it up. And then and then, you know, what the switch up was carry him on your back just so that oh, way you can see where you're going. <laughs> Greg was, he was sick like that. There was times where 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 it would be like this. You know, we, um, we we had these sand dunes and we would run up these sand dunes. And if you didn't run them a certain way, if you stopped, you had to do them all over again. 
And uh, I remember like I was like down to my last one and I barely got up to the top and I didn't do something right. And then Greg says, no, you got to do it again. And I was like, no, and I just start real tears coming out my face. But <laughs> Greg's whole mindset was this right here. If the mountain can't beat you, no man can beat you. If the sand dunes can beat you, no man can beat you. And he was right because yeah. he wanted he wanted us to look forward to go into that place. And you know that place I'm talking about. Yep. It's that dark place that dark where, center where place. every fighter, yeah, that every fighter wishes that the fight doesn't go, but they know it can go and they're ready to go there, but they're just hoping it doesn't go there. Greg told us, taught us to seek that place. That's the mm -hmm. place where we find comfort and that's where we fought from. Yeah. And that's why y'all did so good. I mean, you risk your life and training apparently it sounds like but uh, i mean you guys i mean you guys had you guys have one of the best camps man and had some of the most success and and, and successful fighters of anyone um what what is your so you're 40 now and you're retired you retired um was it three years ago something like that two two three years ago uh two two, two years ago two years so ago, what, yeah. what what is I, mean, I don't know if you want to be a trainer or, or or have a gym but what's what's your end game like what is it that you want to do now like what, what's your passion yeah um well right now i'm still doing analyst work i work with espn and i also work with uh, cbs yep. uh cbs digital so i still like to to be close and connected and, and analyze and breaking on sport sport and i also like to train and work with athletes but uh trevor whitman and i we're working on this project called uh it, it's 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 our glove and he and also justin gaethje who's fighting tonight um, or this weekend, it's called Onyx Sports, the Onyx gloves, and, and the whole the gloves that we got, it's uh, totally just geared around MMA, and it's really the first like the first equipment that's specifically made for what we do. And you know, for the longest, I mean, what we use as equipment is pretty much borrowed from kickboxing, from boxing, and everything else, and it's not intended for MMA. And what we do. We move in, in a different kind of way, so we need equipment that can, you know, handle that movement at the same time, provide protection, and and to to do what we do, you know, and, and things like that. So we designed a whole line of equipment for MMA guys, you know, and it has, you know, uh, the shin guards and the shin guards that that tie into the knee and the way that we did it, and the, it, it's so intricate, but at the same time, it's so sleek. And it's so lightweight. It's super lightweight. So it almost feels like you have nothing on. But at the same time, you feel it's like you can go to a brick wall and smash it hard as you can and nothing will happen. And that's what that's that's the genius behind Trevor Whitman. Trevor Whitman was making this equipment in his basement. And uh, Trevor would for the longest time, Trevor would he, he would get equipment because uh, as a coach. We'd be like, yo, T, man, this is this is messed up. And he'll look at our glove, and then he'll take it, and then he'll go and he'll freak it. He'll go and you know go and uh, make you know make it better in his basement. And if he had an injury, he'll make he'll make something for you so you can train around it. So Trevor learned how to do the sewing thing. So he learned how to do all of that, and he started making this equipment. And he was making it in his basement for a long time, and he just got all these different patents and all these different ideas on how the equipment should be made, just based on all these, you know, all the fighters that he had trying it on, you know, Justin Gaethje has been his guinea pig for the longest time trying on different things. But the equipment that we have is, is, I believe the equipment that um, these, the, the fighters need to have uh, 
you know, in the future, because if you look at sports like football and, and hockey or any kind of contact sports where you got that collision going on, every year those those equipment makers, they go and they, you know, revamp the equipment and make it safer. Right. You know, there has been no innovation to any kind of glove since the the, the thumb was put on the, 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 the boxing glove, since it was yeah. attached to the boxing glove. So there isn't a lot of innovation when it comes to just equipment. And as you can see, these athletes are getting bigger, faster, stronger. You know, you have guys like, you know, the style bender who can do all kinds of cartwheels and flips and all kinds of things. You know, guys like Zabit who can run off the cage and things like that. So we need to have equipment that, that can handle, you know, guys like Ngano who can punch through uh, anything, you know, and, and that's what we focused on at Onyx. That's cool, man. And yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And the same, the same injuries over and over again, you know, the, the dislocated thumbs, the, the hurt hands, the finger pokes in the eye, like there's, there's a lot of things to address, I think, that, that hasn't been addressed. I mean, you're right, the gloves haven't changed in, in a long time. And yeah. that's crazy. And, and, and I've heard that he's a very smart, creative guy, like a very smart, creative guy. So I can imagine what you guys he's, are, what, what he's like making in his basement and <laughs> creating, you know, this might be something big. He, he can make he can make anything, man. Uh, Dana White's really into like uh, swords, like samurai yeah. swords, like ancient ninja swords. You know, in his office, he has like all like like samurai collection is really nice. So um, Trevor made him a samurai sword, like a legit oh, samurai wow. sword, but for the octagon, it was the sickest thing I ever seen. He made it like the octagon, UFC octagon with the canvas and everything, oh, and shit. it was just like the the legit octagon shrunk down with samurai swords, like That's legit real sick. samurai swords that he, that he made with steel that he forged and everything. It, it's, it's Trevor's the, Trevor's the man. He knows how That's to do cool, it. That's cool, man. So you're working with him on the, on this yeah. project as well. Yep. Yep. He, he, he's a guy, he's a guy, but you know, I, I, that, that, that's our intent. And I'm also, um, that's on the equipment side. I'm also working on like, you know, like, uh, I guess the holistic nature side working, you know, we talked before about, um, you know, sparring and all the heavy hits and things like that. Uh, well, one thing I use to help bring me back on a neurological basis is I use psilocybin, you know, and that's, and that's something that, you know, I'm involved with. I work with this group called unlimited sciences. And right now what we're trying to do is we're, we're establishing a data profile so then that way we can get enough people who have experienced psilocybin to give us their stories and ways they use it. And that way we can compile this data so then that way we can have best practices and uses for people who want to try this and get the therapeutic uses that they can get out of it. You know, when, when, when I talked to you earlier about, you know, those those issues and things that I was going through on a psychological basis, you know, I, I attribute a lot of my breakthrough and just my mental clarity uh, being to psilocybin, you know, um, being able to just break down those emotional walls that I didn't even really know that was there. And that's the problem. That's the snare sometimes, you know, you, when you when you're aware of a problem, you know, if you're good enough, you can do something about it. Or if you're honest enough with yourself, yourself, you can do something about it. Or if you know, you can do something about it. But when you don't have that perspective yet to see you know, something you need to do, then there's no way you can fix a problem. And it just keeps on reoccurring. And you're just like, why do I keep on bumping my head and not know why? But when you do the psilocybin and you have an experience, it allows you to have that 
that that that that perspective where you're able to just ah oh, that's what I need to do you know and that's what um, the psilocybin has helped me do so that's why I started to get involved with the unlimited sciences because I want to help people man I think that this world and where we at right now is hurting because we are a race of beings that forgot what we were we forgot what this is and we forgot that life doesn't have to be like this and and that's what i want to you know i want people to experience and know that and that's related to dimethyltryptamine right right yep okay so i was going to ask you um you're a vegan and and i think you've said that 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 was highly influenced from a, a trip on on dmt dimethyltryptamine is that true yeah. Yeah, it is absolutely and, and true. And I'm asking yeah. you because I got I got a follow up to this. So so here's the thing, a quick story. But um, I had a party at my house one time, and I had some friends over, and and I had some guys that were some pretty important guys from uh, the entertainment industry that that traveled a lot with concerts and stuff, and they were real big into DMT. And one of them actually did a lot of these, I guess you would call them experiences, where they give you DMT and then you know do the whole thing. Um, not the ayahuasca, but just the, the, the experience by giving you the actual DMT yes, or whatever. Definitely. Yeah. And, and so they really were talking me into trying it and doing it and, and all the goods and the bad and all the, not the bads as much, but the goods and how it can enlighten you and it, and you'll never be the same again and you'll see things differently. And now that I'm talking to somebody who's done it, um, it, it sounded cool in the fact that like, you know, it has made people better, think more clearly, become better people, see their purpose in life, all these different things. Um, the one thing that kind of stopped me, um, one of the guys that was there was like, we got to tell him the whole truth. We got to tell him everything. And I was like, well, what do you mean? What's the downside to this? And he's like, well, you know, it will take you to a place you know that, that you're going to remember for the rest of your life and it's going to you're going to see there's another world there's another dimension whatever the case but he goes it can also change your ideas and he goes you know maybe you don't want your ideas changed and he goes it could do that and so and i'm like what do you mean because you know if it makes me work harder I, I love to work hard i want to be successful i want to do this and do this and do this and he's like yeah and of course if that's your path and that's what what's meant to be it can help that but he goes, you can also go on on this trip and you can discover that maybe, you know, you want to be more, you know, against fighting and against violence and against, you know, this type of thing or whatever, which I'm not a violent person anyway. But it could be a point where I, you know, I don't want to have a gym to teach fighting or I don't want to pursue that option. Or maybe I want to just sell everything and and live a simple life somewhere and do something else. And when I started thinking about not having control of where it could take me that scared me. Like, like what, what would you suggest on someone like myself trying that for the first time, the good versus the bad? Well, you never know where it's going to take you as far as like, if you look at, you know, it, before you start it, before you do it, before, you know, to the result afterwards, you never know because it is different and, and, and it's all different on where you're aligned at when you started. And here's what I would say that, the, the mushroom will do, it will show you nothing that is going to harm you. It'll only show you the truth. And when it shows you the truth, it will show you in a way 
that helps you make the choice and makes you understand that it's the truth. It's not something that is going to, it, it, it's some, so for instance, say for instance that you think that this is your path right now, right? But, and, and you go down this road and, 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 and you go and you try and you try, but then you just keep on hitting your head on uh, and keep your hitting your head and you just don't know why, you know what I'm saying? Well, if you would have done a mushroom, then a mushroom would have showed you that maybe it's not your path. You get you get what I'm saying? I, I yeah. mean, that, 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 that's, like a that may be step. a terrible example. Yeah. So it, but what, what I'm saying is that when you do the mushroom, it just shows you your greatest you. Okay. And then when you have that feeling of your greatest you, that becomes a um, a marker, like your body, your mindset, you've had that experience, you know, that that like like they say, the veil of consciousness. So the veil of consciousness is when you break the veil of consciousness, the veil of consciousness is just an understanding of consciousness. You know, right now your understanding of consciousness is, you know, having your senses and having all you know the, the the your experience right now when you have a psychedelic experience that breaks that veil of consciousness because it allows you to experience consciousness on a wider basis and then you start to experience this um collective consciousness that we all share together and then when you start feeling that collective consciousness that we all share together it kind of recalibrates you to your factory settings and it kind of gets you to see that maybe you were not optim, you know, maybe you weren't uh, in line with why you came here, because we all come here for a reason. And 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 it sounds like, you know, people don't like to even talk about things like this, and it gets kind of weird when you talk like this, and people are like, oh man, this guy is weird. He talks about, you know, why are we here? But you know. People don't even ask that question. Why are we even here? You know, yeah. it, it's just, you know, my mom, you know, but the, the truth of the matter, we all came here for a reason. There's a reason for everything and there's a reason for your being. And through just living life and just through, uh, you know, having your experience, you know, you, you may have gotten away. You know, for me, you know, I, I was living one life. And then when I had the experience of being a fighter, that took me on a totally different trajectory. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So. Things in life takes you on different paths, but it's good to be able to have when you have that mushroom experience. It's kind of like it gives you a a like, hey, this is real. This is what is this is what is real. Everything else is not. Doesn't and then matter. from there, you decide. Yeah. Yeah, man, you seem a lot different than you used to, and you seem clear-headed. Like I said, zen, relaxed, peaceful. Um, so I guess from your experience, it's only helped you. I mean, you, you don't have any regrets at all from, from any of this. No, I don't, I don't have any regrets. You know, I, I would, I would say though, like, um, you know, the, the awakening process is not all, you know, it's not all rainbows and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's all rainbows because, you know, for me, what, what I, I, like when I first became awakened, a big part of me got sad, sad because like, like I felt for the for the first time, I felt ways about my actions that I never felt before. Gotcha. And it sounds crazy to say, but it was just like I was I was emotionally digesting 
what I was too unconscious to digest before. Mm-hmm. And that that right there took me some time to process. And, and that's what that's what was, you know, that's that's part of the awakening, the awakening experience, you know, becoming conscious and and consciousness really start it started for me, you know, what what when I started to change my diet, you know, when you when you are conscious of everything you put into your mouth, then that's that's a, a paying attention to yourself on another level, you know. Yeah, it sounds like that that downside you're talking about though is kind of a a, a healing side though, because you're, yeah. you're 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 accepting and learning, uh, the the, I guess the 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 you that may have done things that you wouldn't do now didn't recognize what you were doing before. Is is that fair to say? Right. Kind of. Absolutely. I know. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It, it sounds weird to say that, but I I, 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 I guess I know I, guess. I know what I'm thinking. <laughs> Yeah, no, you said it right. You said it right. And, and and the sadness and the sadness for me, it didn't come from that realization, but it came from the realization that I wish I could have been better earlier. Right. And that's and that's what it was. You know, that's the sadness because of the mistakes that was had because of my actions. You know what I'm saying? And that's where it was like, oh, man, Rashad, you, you know, and that's where the, the bittersweet comes with 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 understanding. Well, whatever mistakes you made and, and you had to overcome, you, you've done a lot of good, brother. So there's a lot of people doing worse than you. So I'm, I, I know that uh, I know you're doing OK for sure. I mean, you've done everything you could possibly thank do in you. the sport. Hey, what's up? Sorry about the break, but I got to thank our sponsor, a.k.a. Thailand. Um, and we're still closed, but not for long. Again, June 15th. If you missed the last podcast. I said it, but uh, June 15th is the tentative date that we are supposed to open AK Thailand again um, and get this island back in order, hopefully get the world back in order and start living our lives again. Um, super excited about it. And so since we're, we're still closed and, and we haven't uh, opened yet, I'm going to keep the 30% discount going. Um, I'm going to at least keep it going until... Uh, uh, I'm going to keep it going. Let's put it that way. So as long as you go to the website, akthailand.com, and go to the pricing section and see that you can get the 30% discount, it's still going on. Purchase your training. You'll get 30% off all group training classes, um, whether it's Muay Thai, MMA, BJJ, strength and conditioning, yoga, whatever. One week, two weeks, three weeks, a month, three months, six months, a year, whatever you want, uh, 30% discount. The best deal we ever did, the best deal we're ever going to do, pre-book it now. You can use it anytime in the future. So if you're not going to come uh, until after the quarantine and after your flights open up in your country, no problem. Even if it takes a year from now, you can use it anytime. Um, I'm just giving you guys a chance to save 30% so that uh, when you, you get out of your houses, I know you're stir crazy like I am, uh, you'll save a little bit of money to, to get to pay for your flight and, and to get here to Thailand. Um, so again, that's akthailand.com. It's completely set up. The, the discounts already applied on the pricing page. If you have any questions, email us at info at akthailand.com. What's up everybody. I am here in Thailand. This is the first time I've ever been here. Been dying to come here for years. The great Mike Swick. He's one of the big reasons he's been trying to pull me down here. What he built down here, AKA Thailand is incredible. There's people here from all over the world. You 
can train mixed martial arts here, jujitsu, they have weightlifting, they have cardio, and obviously they have Muay Thai, boxing, everything. telling you guys, I know everybody wants to go to Thailand because Thailand's so cool, but you can't come to Thailand without coming to AKA Thailand. Come on. Uh, it's a quarantine series, and I definitely want to ask you about this, this virus and your take on it. You know, I talked to a lot of guys. You're the 10th guest I've had on the quarantine series about this virus and this pandemic and what's going on. Um, and the majority of people seem scared, <laughs> seem worried. They think it's, well, obviously it is a very bad situation for, for a lot of reasons, health-wise and economically. Um, I had Tim Kennedy on my last podcast a couple of days ago, and he was completely opposite. He was more so along the lines of, uh, let's just get out and live our lives normally and just deal with it. What is your take on this? And, and how are you quarantining like right now? Like what, what are you doing? What's changed in your life because of this? Uh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a homebody anyways, just because I've, I've kind of gotten to myself a little bit more and, and, you know, the way I think right now, you know, I'm not really, uh, really a sociable, I, you know, just not a lot of people vibe with the way I think right now. So I say to myself, so it's not really a bad thing for me. And I just, uh, been able to just enjoy the family a little bit more and just, um, it allowed me to, to, uh, you know, work on some other things that I've been meaning to work on and just really was putting off because I was traveling so much and didn't have the time. So I started to uh, just look at things that I was interested in and things like that. So I've been making the most out of the time. But um, as far as the virus itself, um, I believe that this is about something else. I don't I don't believe that this is about a virus. And when you look at the information, um, you know, just, just as is, and you look at the fact that, you know, there's just so many different, you know, discrepancies with the data that was presented and how they're collecting the data and, um, so many, so many different things that just brings doubt to the story that they're trying to present. And, um, when you look at all those things and you look at that in conjunction with, uh, things that they're that's part of their agenda that they're trying to bring to the forefront like agenda 2030 which is a sustainable development mm -hmm. um which is you know about agenda 2030 no. yeah so agenda 20 oh so so agenda 2030 is a sustainable development uh i guess um program that they're that they've they want to bring to the forefront by 2030 and what it is is that it's um, about nature. That's the guise. It's under the guise of nature. But it, what it's going to do is going to re restructure human society, and it's going to oh, do wow. that in a way where where it's going to put um, humans into like st cities, like pack them and stack them cities, and make areas where it's not for human use, restricted human use. Like if you see like. Uh, like the natural lands and, and all like the uh, things like that, they were going to be blocked off and we can't use the parks and things like that. And there's going to be uh, areas where it's only for authorized use only. 
So part of part of bringing things to standards for the goals of Agenda 2030 is making sure everyone is uh, is taken care of far as health wise. And when one of the things they deem important, making sure everyone is taken care of health wise and, and making sure everyone has adequate health, adequate health is making sure everyone is vaccinated. Right. So this is where we're at right now. So this is, I believe that what we're experiencing is a catalyst for us to have mass vaccinations to be in line with Agenda 2030. Yeah. You know, like since I talked to Kennedy and, you know, I've, I've went back and forth on this since talking to so many people and I'm starting to, after talking to him and then doing some research and then, and then seeing what stats are available and especially the, the fact that the stats of how old and what pre-existing conditions the majority of the people that are dying have. Um, and now I'm hearing of people dying that don't even really like, like that don't even have Corona possibly. And, and they're getting yeah, marked like down as Corona because of all these things. Like I'm starting to think in my opinion, my, my, this is just my opinion. I'm not an expert. I'm starting to think that we're dealing with a bad flu, um, just a really bad flu. And there is a definite agenda attached to it. And that agenda, I don't know, but it's a very powerful agenda that goes very, very high up. And, I don't think it's worth the economic uh, disaster that it's causing small businesses and everybody in the world. Like, and so that's kind of where I'm at with it, man. I, th- I, it's just well, I too mean, many things. Like you said, there's just too much shit that doesn't make sense, man. And like, there's no one our age dying. Very, very no. few. Well, well, so, so the thing is with agenda 2030, it's a, uh, it's worldwide. It's one world government. Right. That's the thing about it. If you look at the way that, Everything was mobilized as far as all the different countries and their response to this whole thing. It was almost as a coordinated effort by like one entity. So they kind of like showed their hand on that respect. So you you have the one world government aspect, and then you also have the fact that you know you you have you you have Bill Gates. Now what they're building right now, they're building a technological. I'm just going to say it. It's like a technological fascist prison, to say the least, because it's going to be like China, which is, to me, a technological prison. You can't you have you have your social score. You're, you're socially rated. You can't go anywhere without cameras, you know, fall in your face. You know, there's there's zero privacy. And that's where America is headed. And that's where they're trying to bring into uh, and into 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 play, and that's what we as Americans have to exercise our constitutional rights. Because a lot of these other countries who are not, who don't have a constitutional rights, they may not be able to have the ability to buck the system. But if one, you know what I'm saying? And, but yeah. that, that's that's the thing about it. like like what, what's happening is that it's it's scary because. When you look at guys like Bill Gates and he's making he has all this money and he's he's got his hand in every single pot, you know what I'm saying? And, and he's he's controlling all of the the information by by his his pocketbook, you know, and now he's even got the stage to be able to make vaccines for us. Now, mind you, 
Now, mind you, Bill Gates was making vaccines uh, in India, and he was making polio vaccines and vaccinating children. And from like 2000 to I think like 2017 or 2018, he um, paralyzed 495 children from the side effects of that polio vaccine. Wow. And then he's talking about about vaccine. Yeah. And then he's talking about vaccinating the world. And then he's like, yeah, only 700,000, 700,000 people will have harmful effects or maybe die. And it's like, yeah, three and a half times, three and a half times what the coronavirus has done so far. Right. And that, yeah. So, so that's, that, that's that's where that's where we get and I, and if and if I were, if I were people I would say, you know, this is not about fear mongering. It's about just educating yourself because when you can educate yourself, then that's when you make the the most informed decisions. So I, w- I would say people look into Agenda 2030 and just dive into that and what that means, and uh, because that's that's where that's where we're headed, and that's what people don't realize that people don't realize that this that this that that's what this is all about. Yeah, man, you know, what? I have to I have to research this, man, because like, you know, one thing that that is just, you know, you can believe in coincidences as much as you want. But when you hear like, you know, I, I saw Bill Gates do a TED Talks in 2015 and he described the coronavirus to a T like he literally yeah. described it to a T that in like four to five years, we're going to have a virus and it's going to you know what I mean? Like he he. It's it's yeah. like really how does he know that? How can you predict that? You know, and he's now right. involved in all of this. I didn't know a lot of this until and, you just told me. So like that makes a lot of sense to me now. Like that makes me want to research a lot more. Well, so so what what they're what what he is doing? He has become like the new the new Rockefeller the new Rockefeller. You know, yeah. the Rockefeller when they came up, they they took over the whole educational system and they took over a lot of systems in which we you know, we were influenced by, you know, our whole education system was built on the Carnegie's and, and the Rockefellers and, and those in yep. those rich elites making it so that they were deciding on what was going to be in our books because they don't they, they wanted to make workers. They didn't want to make thinkers. So yep. all the information that we got taught was just information that wasn't maybe even the truth. It could have been just something to just make us into workers. But nevertheless, we see the same repeat, the same thing happening now because now you see Bill Gates. Now he's now he's getting into the education field of it because New York just made a deal and aligned themselves with his educational program. So now he's so that's that that's that's what's that's what's happening now. You know, he's yeah. got a lot of money, he's got a lot of power, and he's got a lot of influence. And now we as the people, we got to be careful because. Now we're in a position where we are, um, you know, we don't we don't know what's going on. We don't know. There, there's a lot of information circling around like, you know, our virus is real. Are they not real? And 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 all these and all these different things. But at the end of the day, the, the information being compiled by the CDC and other CDC like uh, um, agencies, they're building the data that they need to make law so that they can inject us with this vaccines. And here's the thing about these vaccines that make them dangerous in my opinion. I, I think that 
you know, these vaccines, you don't know what's in them, for one. And then for two, there's a nanotechnology component in these vaccines. Right. And, and these nanotechnology, they're rumored to be able to communicate with 5G towers. Yeah. Now, if that means that, that, means that you're, you're, you can be hacked from a physical standpoint just by having this nanotechnology that you got in you from this vaccine shot. So this ain't the vaccine that they were getting 10, 15 years ago. This is, this is a different kind of vaccine that could, in a sense, who knows, maybe even, you know, turn the, us into a slave race of people that, that, you know, is controlled by technology. We don't know, but I can tell you for sure that a grid is being built of technological oppression. And we're yeah. headed for that right now because it's the same system they have in China. And when the experts are issuing fact after fact after fact that they have to recant constantly because the facts are wrong, there's obviously something up with that. You know what I mean? Like they say it's this and then next week, it, uh, sorry, no, it's this. Uh, they All predict right. this. Right. Uh, no, no, we're going to predict this. It, it changed. I mean, there, there's something up with that. Then there was the, I just saw this, so I don't have the full information. I wish I had read it uh, a little bit more thoroughly. I just saw it right before I got on the podcast with you. But there was a doctor who was making great uh, discoveries with the coronavirus who was just found dead. And then another person was in a car yeah, outside that, yeah. who killed him, who, who they're saying killed himself. So it was a murder suicide against a doctor who was, who was researching coronavirus. Like that just, it's just so much, man. It's so much going on. And like, uh, it's, it's, I don't know what to think. It is, you know, I, and, and it's, it's hard. Scary. To it's think, all scary. But I think it, it really is scary, but here's the thing about it. We could be paralyzed by fear or we could do something about it and do our due diligence to to just yeah. inform ourselves. And that and that's what I mean. Just just if everyone take take the time to really inform themselves. I'm talking about look at every single argument from both sides of the story. People that, that say they're, you know, that, that believe in, you know, what the, the media is saying and then those who don't believe in it. And just and then draw draw your opinion from there. But at the end of the day, when you hear truth, you're going to recognize truth. When, when you hear truth, truth resonates with you because truth is what you are. So it, it, you're going to know truth when you feel it and when, and when you hear it. And that's what people need to do. They need to just go and research because when you research, then you can make an informed decision. And then here's the thing about it. Like there needs to be no war because what they're doing is about consent. And it's about right. consent because we're not aware of what's going on. So we're consenting through ignorance. If we know what's going on, then we don't consent to it no more. And then exactly. we, we decide to, to act differently. We decide to think differently. We decide to not fall for the, the, their, their social programming games, you know, and because that's what this is like, like right now, like here's, here's a perfect example of this social programming that they're doing. So when this all started, do not, they say, do not wear a mask. Mask will only make it worse. You know, the viruses can go through the mask 
no matter, you know, especially a cloth mask is ridiculous. Only masks that work is the N95 mask, and those are only for surgeons, and they only can wear them for a certain amount of time because it's super hard to breathe in it, and it's not healthy for someone who is healthy to walk around wearing it because you're wearing, you're, you're, breathe, you're, you're not breathing in fully oxygenated air, mm -hmm. so then for your body it becomes an oxygen, uh, oxygen deprivation. Mm -hmm. So they say don't wear it. Cool, I get it, I understand it. So now as we go closer to having this whole thing over, now they push for wearing the mask and things like that. And that is for a reminder so that we know and we never forget. And we also start to distance ourselves from each other. And then we start to lose that connection with each other because now when I walk by you, I can't see if you're smiling. I only can see your eyes. So now yeah. you lose identity in me. So now I can't see, you know what I'm saying? Now I don't, I'm, 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 you become more of a stranger. We become more of a stranger to each other. And, and that's, what, that's what is happening. They want to drive us all apart. And we can't, we can't allow that to happen because we got to just inform ourselves and make, make smart decisions about our, for, for our family and for 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 our future future yeah 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 that's the most important thing that's crazy because if man. we don't do nothing if michael michael if we don't do nothing if we don't do nothing then 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 our children's children will wake up and 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 have the reality like like china and i don't know i'm not i'm not i'm not feeling that i'm not feeling that at all ben because that's not that's not what 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 life is about. Freedom. You can't control life. There's only there's only there's only one law you should follow, and that's God's law. You know what I'm saying? That that that's, that's God's law, and and that's a golden rule. You know that 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 and, and in that one rule that encompasses everything. You know you you can you can know how to act and treat everybody else just by that one rule. You know do what to others as, as you have them do unto you. That right there, that whole phrase, you know, understanding that. Yeah. They don't need it. it it's. It's going to be crazy to see how this pans out. That's for sure. You know, like I'm, I'm a sitting duck here. We have less less rights in Thailand than we do in America. So I mean, I'm just stuck here and in quarantine. My gym shut down. The airport shut down. People can't fly in. Yeah. You know, my the people that come to my gym and train or 100% foreigners, you know? So it's like, they have can't they, even come to the country. Have they uh, put a uh, censorship ban out yet? What do you mean, a censorship? Like, like no. being able to talk about it, you know? No, they haven't, you oh, know, they okay. just, you, you, can, you can never talk bad about uh, the country or the, the people in charge, but they haven't put any kind of specific ban on, um, yeah, you, when you live here for so long as I have, you just kind of know what you can and can't do. You don't want to say anything negative for sure. Um, no, I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about like saying anything negative about the place. I'm saying you can't say like a censorship ban on on talking about COVID or talking about, you know, the the the, the, the legitimacy of, of everything and, and what's happening. You know what I'm saying? Because here in America, they've 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 put ban on on even talking about a lot of it and even questioning it questioning anything 
You can't question anything that the World Health Organization says, and even though times? it's documented that, I mean, it, the, 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 the World Health Organization is the most corrupt agency yeah, how, out there, but you're not allowed to question them. And how many times have they been wrong so far? How many times have they issued official statements and then had to recant those statements because they were completely wrong? It's just, it's, a, it's an ongoing thing with the coronavirus, with, with those guys. I mean, just, just the other day, they sent out tests that were already contaminated with the coronavirus. Yeah. Now just think about that. What are the chances that they're going to send out tests already? Con- like, like, I mean, come on. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's evident what they're doing here. You know what I'm saying? So, they, but, but they, but they have, they have censorship now, and you know, and it's like, whoa, freedom of speech is going, and it's all happening real time, every single day. The, the, it gets tighter and tighter and tighter, and you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that I'm, I'm, like, I'm still in shock that, that this is even happening. Starting yeah. out, I, I didn't have the biggest belief in the system as is and i've already was seeing chinks in the armor in the system but you know this this whole experience has just you know opened it up to a whole another level because you can clearly see uh the plan and what they're trying to to bring on and what they're trying to entrap the world in not even a country the world yeah, I've even and seen. It, it reminds me. Now go ahead. It reminds you of. It reminds you of. Well, there, there's there's the Georgia Guidestones. The George, there's these Guidestones that are in Georgia, and and it's supposed to be for a later time. And it, it's almost as if like it's in like seven different languages, and and it has like some rules to live by, as if like they're they're leaving it for a society after we all get wiped out and they're trying to reset. So there's some rules to live by. And there, there's some pretty good rules, but one of the rules on there is keep the population at 500 million. Wow. So we're at about 7 billion point <laughs> five. So they're gonna, you know what I'm saying? They, they, yeah. There's like 7 billion people that, according to that guidelines that need to go. Oh, wow. And, and a worldwide vaccine. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard about this thing too. But there's, there's a lot of talk about the five G stuff, and 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 these people that have the money are just they have so much power. And and I even heard now that that YouTube is 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 taking down videos about COVID and Corona. Like, how are they doing that? Yeah, they, I mean, it's not even like it's not even like uh, terrorist stuff or 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 no. against the law or legal postings or or things that's against their policies. But they're literally taking down videos of people posting stuff about Corona and COVID. It's crazy. Like where, where's the freedom of speech there? And, and, and then even, and then even, you even say, if you even say that is a link or there's a causation between the, um, the COVID and, and 5g. Oh my gosh, forget about, Oh, don't, don't, don't say that. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll go absolutely crazy. They go absolutely. You know, they they take it down because you're not allowed to to associate that with that. But you, when you look at it, and and you look at, hmm, well, maybe there isn't all of the the 5G towers up 
So maybe it's not blasting everyone how they say, but, but you got to do that. (laughs) There is this thing called Starlink that's been floating around, you know, the, the, uh, the earth. It's something by Elon Musk. And it's like, it's like, I don't know, like, I don't know, maybe like 20,000 satellites or something like that. Aiming 5G down at the earth. Mm-hmm. And and when you think about that, you got to be like, hmm, maybe, I don't know, because we are, even though that science would never say it and or they may say it, but they don't really they don't really find found their I guess their 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 health practices on this. But we are electrical beings. We, we have a energy energy biofield. Uh, around us and that is that that interacts with frequencies and we're affected on stuff on a frequency basis before we even get touched on the physical basis that's why you can walk into a room you can you can run into that that frequency energy of a of another person's biofield and you can feel that energy and what do you say oh i don't know that just don't feel right you know what i'm saying it's because your biofield interacted with their biofield so now you feeling that energy and you want to pull back your biofield away from that so you go somewhere else where it's not influenced by that but when we have this ocean of you know just um these harmful uh waves and, and energy all around us then then it definitely permeates that 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 uh bio membrane and affects our health yeah. In some capacities, you know. Yeah, no, you're absolutely but, correct. I mean, our our hearts beat because it it, it gets shocked by an electrode. Right. I mean, that's right. I know that because I had one removed <laughs> when I was younger. I had two electrodes, and they had to go in through my leg and a catheter ablation and actually remove one. So, I mean, oh, an, wow. elect, an an electric shock is what makes your heart beat for your entire life. Every single heartbeat is an electric shock in your body. So, I mean, I I agree with you a hundred percent. So man, great insight. Jesus, I didn't expect that. And, uh, very good insight. I'll, I'll put up the, uh, the links and the description of these, uh, onyx and the other, the other things you were talking about. I'm just switching gears really fast before I let you go. Obviously there's a fight coming up here this weekend. We're not going to get this podcast posted until after the fight. We're probably going to post this podcast on Sunday or Monday. So who is going to win the main event and who is going to win the co-main event? And we'll see if you're right. Cause obviously this is going to get posted after. So, so make your prediction. Who's going to win? Who's who's gonna win? Uh, Gaethje versus Justin, Ferguson and Cejudo versus Justin's Bruce. Gonna, I think Justin Gaethje is gonna win. I say Justin Gaethje is gonna win because you know. I think so, huh? Gonna get that knockout the weight, punch. The weight. Yeah, I think I think he he has a knockout punch, but more importantly, I think that you know in his last few fights that he's been showing that he's been working on just getting off that those train tracks before he would he would start off his combination. He would just burn it out in front of you and shoot the 50-50, and you can catch him. You know, you've seen that with Eddie Alvarez, and you've seen that with Dustin Poirier. So after that fight, it seemed as if, like, he went back to the drawing board and started working on a few things, and now he started getting off to the angles. And you've seen it in his last couple of fights, two beautiful performances where he got off to the angles, and he was able to you know, still unleash those powerful shots, but then he was just in a position where his opponents couldn't hit him. And I think that's that that's going to be the biggest difference, you know, and he's also starting to utilize 
his leg kicks. And everybody that I know who who who, who has ever taken a leg kick by by Justin Gaethje says it's just something different when you get hit by Justin Gaethje with a leg kick. And, and I've seen it. Like he, he makes people leg just go completely numb and they, and they can't move anymore. And he throws the, the lower ones. Oh man, it's it's a wrap. So, but then you have you have, you have Tony on the other end. Tony is 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 super dynamic. You know, Tony is is super creative and 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 he doesn't stop moving. And he's and he's got that long reach. And that long reach is is dangerous. You know what I'm saying? But my butt in this is the fact that he hasn't been 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 terribly active, you know, and, and his lack of activity and his starting and stopping, I think that that plays a bigger role on your body as you get older versus when you're younger. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that him being 36 and things like that. So I think that I think Gagey got this one. I'm picking Ferguson, but I, I, I would not be a bit surprised if, if Gagey wins this fight. And and then on the well, Cejudo, there, no, go, go, ahead, ahead. go ahead, no, 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 go ahead. No, I'll, I'll say I'll say because Gaethje, Ferguson, Ferguson gets hit a lot, and that's and that's another thing that was making me think that if you you're not gonna be getting hit too many times by Justin Gaethje and not getting slept. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But well, but he's never been knocked out. You got to take that into consideration that's true. too. That so when, when you're that taking a guy on a 12 fight win streak that's never been knocked out, I and and I said in my prediction, I think I can I can see him getting knocked down. I can definitely see him getting knocked down. I just think because he's never been knocked out that he he will probably be able to recover and get back in the fight. Now again, I haven't been hit by Justin Gaethje, so I don't know I don't know like how much you can recover from that depending on how good the hit is. But that was my that was my analysis, but, um, and then on the Cruz fight, uh, the Cruz versus Dominique, I mean, uh, the Cruz versus, uh, Cejudo, you know, I think I, I would have normally picked Dominique in this fight, um, considering how, how much of a tear he was on and how good he was four years ago up until the Cody Garbrandt fight, um, and just his momentum and just how great he was on the feet and, and such a great striker. And he obviously he's a wrestler too, but I think coming back after four years, from a, a pretty bad loss to Cody Garbrandt and jumping right in there with Cejudo on, on, on this tear that he's on with this confidence and, and how good he looked against Mahias. And I just, I had to go with Cejudo on this one. Yeah. I, I that's you, I kind of feel the same way. I think that, um, you know, Dominic Cruz, you know, he's, when it comes to the, the OG in his weight class, it is it, Dominic Cruz, you know, yeah. when he came back and he, uh, did what he did to TJ Dillashaw that showed me that he was still the king in, the, in that weight class, you know, because, you know, I, I, I have such a high respect for TJ Dillashaw and his skill set and what he brings to the table. But when I seen the the master, you know what I'm saying? Dominic Cruz hit his little his moves and and and, and pretty much do his thing. I knew him. OK, that's the guy right there. He, he's he's a guy. So I. um. I know that Dominic can mentally bring himself there. And I know that he's feeling it, you know what I'm saying? But for the most part, being out of the cage for so long and and and, and just, you know, not having that test, you know, I, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. And you're gonna be you're going against a Henry Cejudo in a and that's getting better, a growing Henry Cejudo. Yeah. Who's 
he's put on some muscle for this fight. Like Henry, Henry, Henry is looking jacked for this fight. And um, I think Henry found his Henry found his his mojo in, in his last few performances. And you seeing him starting to find his 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 flow with you utilizing his wrestling in there, too. You know, sometimes you see guys with that kind of ability to wrestle, just kind of let it go to the back burner like 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 Yoel Romero. But Cejudo found a way to bring that back into the mix and make that part of making him hard to stop. So that inside trip that he got, I think is going to just jam up Dominic Cruz, keep him down. Then he's going to be able to, uh, you know, let some of his hands go. That's why you're the professional, man. Awesome, uh, I mean, awesome, awesome breakdown. And and are you excited about this fight island? Does it? It sounds like it's out of a movie, man. Like this, this fight Joe, I'm island. Exci- I'm like, excited about it. That's crazy, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about it, man. I think that it's gonna be a, uh, it, it's going to be so cool because it's kind of like a, a throwback to the Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee, you know, when he went and fought on Mr. Han Island and you had to get there by special invite only. Yeah. And, you know, it was quarantined off. You know, you had a special, you couldn't even be there if you weren't, you weren't supposed to be there, you know, and that's how the fight island going to be because it has to be quarantined off, you know, because of the whole coronavirus situation. So yeah. it's going to be something to see, man. And uh, I'm, I'm happy that the UFC is doing this card because what this card means to the world, it means so much on so many different aspects. Um, we, we, cause we're all in a fight right now, you know, yeah. and, and we're all, you know, maybe, you know, f- figuring out what, what we're going to do as far as our finances are concerned, but we all can resonate with that feeling of a fight right now, of a fighter. And, being able to watch a fight, being able to watch a professional sports go on, it, it kind of makes people feel as if like things are going to go back to how they used to be. It's kind of, it, it can kind of alleviate some of this tension that a lot of people is feeling. And um, who would have ever thought that fighting can be that medicine? You know, they used to say that fighting solves nothing, but hell, yeah. fighting just may solve everything right now. And I, and I think right now, um, it, it, like what you just said with the medicine, man, I, I think to, to take people's mind off of the coronavirus, their finances, this entire disastrous pandemic for three to four or five hours to watch a fight. That's I mean, that could be worth so much to so many people, you know, that are just constantly stressed out, constantly depressed, constantly thinking about stuff. There's no sporting events going on. And these diehard MMA fans. They love MMA, yeah. so to give them a live fight, yeah. that's like, that's like a blockbuster movie coming out in the theater, you know, for them, you know. So it's like I'm excited, yeah. man. I think it's, it's going to bring hope. It's going to bring positivity, um, and I think, uh, I think it's going to be a good thing. I'm going to be watching, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited too, man. It's gonna, it's gonna be good, man. I'm just, I'm just happy that uh, it's, uh, it's giving me something to look forward to, you know. Happy about that. Well, listen, man, I, I appreciate you taking the time. I know time is so important, man, and, and you gave me a lot of time today to, to talk and uh, talk about a lot of different things, and I hope people enjoy our conversation. I think you had some great insight, and it's good to see you doing good, man. You know, you're, you're an OG. You've been around for a long time. You look great. You seem like you're in a good place. Um, it's been a great conversation, man. Thank you so much for doing the show. 
Thank you, my brother. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. And uh, when I get back to Thailand, I'm going to hit you up, man. AK Thailand, gonna... bro. Text me. I'm going to yeah, bring you in. Dude. VIP everything. Dude, I'm building a whole VIP facility. It. You're going to you're gonna enjoy it, man. Man, I'm going to hit you up. I'm going to take you up on that too, Mike. 100%, brother. 100%. Thank you so much. All right. So there you have it. Rashad Evans. What a great conversation. It's like, it's funny because midway through this podcast, I was thinking like, I think I'm going to make this a regular podcast episode because it's, it's such a good uh, podcast and we haven't talked at all about the coronavirus or COVID and it, it was just going so good. And then we started talking about the coronavirus and boom, who would have expected that he had so much information about that and, and such insight um, that was awesome. It was a surprise and it was awesome. So, uh, great talking to Rashad. He looked amazing. Uh, he looks like he's in a great position in his life and, and he, he looks happy and, uh, it was just fun for me to do. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you, you take something from it. If you have any uh, comments, leave them below. If you're on YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube, we'll try to answer all the questions that we can. Um, if you're on the audio platforms, check us out on YouTube. You can see how great, uh, Rashad looked. And, and, you know, he, he's looking better and better, like some of the guys from, from the old days. Um, and if you're on the audio platforms, uh, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Subscribe to us on YouTube. we got a lot more uh, good guests coming. I told you last time we got good guests coming. we got Rashad today. So we have a lot more uh, good guests booked that's going to be on the quarantine series. And then I have a couple more great guests for, for the regular podcast coming up. Uh, it's going to be very, very interesting. So... Uh, stay tuned and I'll see you next time. <laughs>